Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or use the KPL app chat if you'd like to be part of the conversation there. Just open the app. If you don't have it, download the KPL News app where you can get all of our news stories of the day. But use the app. There is a little chat feature built into it. You can send a message to the Joe Cunningham Show just by using the little text message icon in the upper right corner. Now, before we go any further, I got some comments yesterday uh, during and after the show, uh, like I said, through the app, but also through Facebook and some other apps. Uh, How is it that... I can, how is they asking basically, how is it that I can trust the polls despite the fact that polls can be so easily manipulated? And I I talked about the poll yesterday. There's some more that news that's come out about the, the group behind the mayor's race poll that I mentioned yesterday, but I wanted to start those of you who've listened to me for a while, you've heard this clip before. If you haven't listened for a while, There's an old BBC comedy show called Yes, Prime Minister. It's an old sitcom. And there's a bit in there about polling and and how polling can be manipulated. And I wanted to play that before I got too far into the show. But that silly grand design, Bernard, that was precisely what you had to avoid. How did this come about? I shall need a very good explanation. Well, he's very keen on it. What's that got to do with it? (laughs) Things don't happen just because prime ministers are very keen on them. Neville Chamberlain was very keen on peace. (laughs) (laughs) He he thinks thinks it's a vote winner. Ah, that's more serious to done. What makes him think that? Well, the party who had an opinion poll done, it seems all the voters are in favor of bringing back national service. Well, I have another opinion poll done showing the voters are against bringing back national service. <laughs> we can't be for it and oh, against Of course they can, Bernard. Have you ever been surveyed? Yes. Well, not me, actually. In my house. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> well, Bernard, you know what happens. Nice young lady comes up to you. Obviously, you want to create a good impression. You don't want to look a fool, do you? <laughs> no. No. So she starts no. asking you some questions. Mr. Woolley, are you worried about the number of young people without jobs? Yes. Are you worried about the rise in crime among teenagers? Yes. Do you think there's a lack of discipline in our comprehensive schools? Yes. Do you think young people welcome some authority and leadership in their lives? Yes. Do you think they respond to a challenge? Yes. Would you be in favor of reintroducing national service? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I suppose I might. Yes or no? Yes. Of course you would, Bernard. After all you've told you, you can't say no to that. So, they don't mention the first five questions and they publish the last one. Is that really what they do? Well, not the reputable ones, no, but there aren't many of those. (laughs) So, alternatively, the young lady can get the opposite result. How? Mr. Woolley, are you worried about the danger of war? Yes. Are you worried about the growth of armaments? Yes. Do you think there's a danger in giving young people guns and teaching them how to kill? Yes. Do you think it's wrong to force people to take up arms against their will? Yes. Would you oppose the reintroduction of national service? Yes. (laughs) There you are, you see, Bernard. The perfect balanced sample. So, we just commission our own survey for the Ministry of Defence. See to it, Bernard. 
So, again, you can ask whatever questions in a poll, and you can lead the people that you're polling to specific answers. That's not entirely how it's done. That's very much an oversimplification for how things are done now, but you can get poll results to show what you want them to show, and then you use those poll results to craft the narrative. That's why you have polls that are sent out to media outlets very quickly. We have a poll. We want this to be talked about. They send it out because they want the narrative that that poll is making to be the news. So you have the poll that we talked about yesterday, the poll from Vantage Data House and the Kitchens Group, and it's put out there as a nonpartisan poll. It's put out there as a poll that is free of any party in this election, except, except the poll was done by Vantage Data House, which is a paid membership uh, organization, and the Kitchens Group. The Kitchens Group is the pollster for John Bell Edwards. What's more, Vantage Data House, the LLC is registered to an address that has donated to Monique Blanco Boulay and Kathleen Blanco, Monique's mother. And this is, again, an address in Shreveport, but making these donations to one of the candidates in the race, then releasing a poll, but saying it's a nonpartisan poll not affiliated with any candidate. That should have been disclosed by Vantage Data House. What's more, this from the Acadian Advocate from Claire Taylor. Vantage Data House is a Shreveport membership-based research firm formed in June, according to the Louisiana Secretary of State Office. Its founder is Bishop George, its manager is Wilson George, and its chief financial officer is Trip George. At least one of them is the nephew of the husband of Boulay's sister. But Boulay said the poll was not conducted for her. The poll was supposedly paid for by various people, including businessmen and lobbyists. So there's really no transparency in that. On top of that, one out of every three voters is undecided when it comes to the primary day vote. The rest of the data does not really matter. The rest of the data really does not matter. Well, who would they vote on their second? That's not what would happen in the race. It's not a ranked choice election. Given that poll, one out of every three voters is undecided. The margin of error of the poll is over 5%, which means the data could swing 10 points in either direction. That's not valid polling. I don't care that they say they have a confidence of 95%. It's not valid. Yesterday, I mentioned that there is observable data that suggests the race is not as close as all that. See, the race, you look around and it looks very one-sided in Lafayette Parish. Again, Josh Guillory's signs are everywhere. Boulay and Swift both have signs around Lafayette Parish. 
but you don't see them in the numbers that you see Josh Guillory's. And that's important because you can't just go and arbitrarily throw your signs around. You have to get permission from the property owner, from the business owner to display your signs. That's observable evidence that tends to suggest that, no, not not one out of every four voters is going for Josh and everybody else is either undecided or going for the opponents. That suggests a greater margin for Guillory. What's more, Vantage Data House partnered with Kitchens Group. Like I said, John Bell Edwards pollster, but also the Kitchens Group has a history of running surveys for candidates that are taking on established incumbent Republicans and coming up with bad numbers. The Kitchens Group is the uh, is the pollster that gave really good numbers for Holden Hoggett in the uh, in the congressional uh, race against Clay Higgins and made it look like it was a competitive race. And it wasn't. It was nowhere close to a competitive race. I don't think that this is accurate data, but there is some data that suggests that Guillory is not going to run away with this. Also from Claire Taylor, this a few days ago at the Acadiana Advocate, incumbent Lafayette mayor president has more to spend heading into October 14th election. That's the headline. Lafayette mayor president Josh Guillory heading into the final 30 days before the October 14th election has more than 450000 on hand for a final campaign push, twice as much as challenger Monique Blanco Boulay and three times as much as challenger Jan Swift. But when it comes to campaign donations to the candidates in 2023, Guillory and Boulay were neck and neck. Guillory started the year off with more than 400000 already raised for his re-election bid. Candidates for mayor-president were required to file campaign finance reports with the Louisiana Ethics Administration last week, showing contributions and spending between January 1st and September 4th. Boulay received about $272,000 in campaign contributions this year, compared with $220,000 Guillory received and $161,000 that Swift received. With Guillory and Swift launching their campaigns in December, each had donations at the start of the year. Guillory reported $441,000 as of January 1st, Swift reported 19,131 as of January 1st. Boulay, who announced in February, reported no contributions prior to January 1st. That data tells us something, too. Josh Guillory has a war chest and can spend it. But consider, again, Boulay had no contributions prior to January 1st and is now sitting on over 250000 And we just mentioned a little while ago that she is sitting, uh, that she is receiving donations from family members outside of Lafayette. That's an important thing to note, too. The data suggests that it may be a little more competitive than some folks may, th- may have thought. But Josh Guillory still has clear advantages here. And he's looking at more than 25% come October 14th, if all this observable data is true. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 
if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, so I'm just getting a message from a listener. Um, the three officers for Vantage Data House are nephews of Monique Blanco uh, uh, Boule. So, uh, so that is so. It looks like the the advocate story was was wrong there as far as the relation there, which makes that even more of a concern. And really, that doesn't say anything good about Vantage Data House, which is interesting from my perspective. There were some folks on the Republican side who said, hey, you should check these these folks out. It's, it's a pretty interesting idea, pretty interesting firm. But if you're not going to disclose your relationship to one of the candidates when you put this data out there, that does not say uh, much good for uh, for the pollster or really the candidate, frankly. So that's a very interesting thing as well. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break because I've got some state polling data, too. we got some more polling data for the governor's race as well, and I want to get to that uh, in just a moment. So we will do so, and when we get back from our top of the hour uh, commodities report, look at the commodities report, we will uh, – We'll get into some of that state data because there's a lot of fascinating stuff happening in that race as well. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Again, by the way, make sure you note if you're heading westbound on I-10 coming toward uh, the university exit on westbound, you're not going to make it there. Traffic backed up to I-49. I-49 up to Ponte Mouton is starting to get backed up as well because of a traffic accident on I-10 westbound. Keep an eye out there. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, once again, shout out to uh, Scott and Potan for listening and, and and keeping us up to date on what's going on on I-10. So if you are planning to take I-10 westbound, just know that it's pretty much backed up uh, from a, from between the Ambassador and University exit. Again, that's on westbound uh, to beyond, I think, I-49 at this point and the traffic on I-49 uh was uh, stopped at the Ponda Mouton exit, if not beyond that at this point, because it's been a little while. But basically, uh, if you were trying to get on I-10 westbound, uh, either coming down I-49 to get there, uh, you may want to try to find an alternate route. If you're on I-49, I-10 westbound uh, from Louisiana Avenue or beyond, you need to find a different route uh, because you're not going to be getting much of anywhere uh, it's a vehicle accident that uh, was up on the traffic board earlier. Uh, police and sheriffs responding to it. So we're still keeping an eye on that traffic issue. But again, just know uh, I-10 westbound uh, from about, let's say, around the, the Ambassador exit back beyond the I-49 ramp. Uh, westbound's just at basically at a standstill. As of last update, we will keep an eye on that, however. Uh, so I want to jump over to state politics now because, again, it's it's the day of days of polling. I, I'm a nerd for this stuff. I will admit I'm an absolute nerd. I'm a junkie for the data that comes in because quantifiable data can tell us a lot of things. 
in the aftermath of 2022, the quantifiable data told us who was and who wasn't a valid pollster. And media outlets conducting polls were actually the most accurate of the polls in 2022. And it was Republican firms who I guess were trying, going back to the old unskewing the data type thing, uh, they really kind of screwed up in 2022. They might be back on track. Now, Trafalgar was one of the firms that got it really wrong uh, in 2022, but they have a, a poll in the governor's race in Louisiana. And the numbers from Trafalgar are pretty much in line from what we're seeing elsewhere. Uh, so let's let's so Emerson College releases a poll in August. About mid-August, shows Landry at 40%, Sean Wilson at 22%. Uh, Fauche Strategies uh, released a poll toward the middle of August, just after that one, had Landry at 36, Wilson at 26. Uh, Trafalgar now has a poll out. Uh, This was taken uh, from September 11th to September 15th. And that one has Landry at 38% and Wilson at 23%. Also has Wagspack at 7, Schroeder at 7, Lundy at 6, Hewitt at 4, Nelson at 1%. Nelson, by the way, Representative Richard Nelson, has backed out of the race and is endorsing Jeff Landry. We also have another one from Mason-Dixon polling and strategy. This one has Landry at 40% and Wilson at 24%. So we're seeing pretty much the same data play out. Nothing has really changed. Jeff Landry's commanding well over one out of every three voters. Wilson's got less than one in four voters. And that's really the Democrats right now. You've got Lundy with 4%. Wagaspak in this one has his highest numbers that I've seen uh, in a nonpartisan aligned, uh, aligned poll with 9%. Schroeder at 3%, Hewitt at 2%, uh, everybody else at 1% or below. So what can we take from this? Here's here's what's interesting about the Mason-Dixon polling and strategy poll, and this one was commissioned by Gray Television Stations. Um, it also does a one-to-one matchup between with Landry and all the other candidates, the main candidates. Landry has well over 50% against all of them. Against Hewitt, Landry wins 53-23. Against Schroeder, Landry wins 51-23. Against Lundy, 56-30. Against Wagaspak, 52-27. Against Wilson, 52-39. And that would be the Democratic vote. I think 39 might actually be a little high for Wilson, but if he manages to get 39% of the vote in a one-to-one matchup, that's pretty good for him but I'm not sure he gets all of those voters turning out on election day in a runoff against Jeff Landry. So we're still looking at, in the governor's race, a runoff between Jeff Landry and Sean Wilson. I don't think there's any way to escape it at this point. I know that there are some concerns behind the scenes of, say, uh, the other non-Landry Republicans dropping out, endorsing like Waggis Pack, and then just going all in and trying to, to stab Jeff in the back. I'm not sure they'd be able to pull it off. The numbers simply aren't high. When that happened to David Vitter, you had fewer candidates and more of the vote between them. But in this one, you've got some of the vote being siphoned off by an independent like Lundy, 
and you have too much of the vote spread out among the others. And a lot of people still really kind of just undecided on this one. I mean, if we're looking at the poll, uh, if we're looking at the 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 primary election vote, twenty four percent plus forty percent, sixty four percent plus nine is uh, seventy three plus four seventy seven, plus three is eighty, plus two is eighty two, then one one one, so eighty five, eighty five percent. That means fifteen percent of the vote is undecided. Sorry for the math. I'm not a math guy. I had to I I had to say it out loud in order for it to make sense in my head. But fifteen uh, percent undecided. In the primary day poll, that can go any which way. I think the numbers we're seeing, though, the high 30s, low 40s for Jeff Landry, probably around 38 percent, maybe that's probably going to be close to what he gets on Election Day. Sean Wilson, I think, would actually might end up getting a little bit more because uh, Democrats I think probably about a third, if they show up in decent numbers, they can probably get him up to maybe 30%. Uh, I don't see the numbers showing up for uh, some of the others. I That 2% for Sharon Hewitt, I think is generous, but that, that may end up being a thing. Uh, but this is really kind of what we've been expecting. This is, again, Individual polling. I I played the bit earlier about how a poll can be manipulated. I talked in the first half of the show and in pretty much all of yesterday how polling can be dishonest and be manipulated. It's the polling trends that matter. And the trend that we're seeing is that Jeff Landry is in the high 30s, if not low 40s, when it comes to primary election day. That is holding true. That hasn't really changed all that much. Sean Wilson is hovering in the low to mid-20s. That hasn't changed much. The only time it's been different was back in July when he got uh, 28% in a poll done by citizens for Louisiana, for New Louisiana, which is a Republican-leaning group. But when it comes to the nonpartisan polling that we've seen, Wilson's been in the low, maybe mid-20s. He hasn't gotten near 30% like he did in that one. I think that's kind of where we are right now. There's just no excitement for Sean Wilson. There really isn't. Uh, And there's no major, major negatives against Sean Wilson like there are against Jeff Landry, like there were against David Vitter, which allowed John Bell Edwards to back into the role in 2015. And there is no Republican backstabbing. There is no just huge swaths of Republicans who are going to be staying home this year that we're seeing in any of the polling. So he wouldn't, so Jeff Landry won't get Eddie Responied on this one. It, it it very much looks like Jeff Landry's got a good shot to win it. Now, again, the uh, I guess the theme of the show for a long time has been never underestimate Republicans' ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. It is entirely possible. I'm not sure that it happens here, but it is entirely possible that it happens. So we'll see on that. That'll be interesting to watch out for. But the latest polling data really shows us more of the same as far as the governor's race goes. Jeff Landry, Sean Wilson making it into a runoff and Jeff Landry getting well over 50 percent in a runoff against Sean Wilson. 
pretty much kind of seals where we are right now. You didn't see uh, numbers like this really for even John Bell Edwards in the last two elections. It was much tighter in those two elections. So I think that's kind of going to be what we're seeing for a while. Okay, so about to take our last break. When we come back, want to wrap up the show. Uh, there's one story I haven't gotten because I've been very local in the last couple of days. There's one story. It's a growing problem. That's at the southern border. I want to talk about that briefly when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. You guys stick around. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number or you can send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, Before I get to the last topic of the day, I want to mention a call that we just had during the break. Uh, Somebody called in and said, I just want to know, what's going through the minds of the other Republicans in the governor's race? They could back out of the race right now and help unite the Republican Party and be heroes. And I really do think that the short answer to this is ego. And the long answer to it is they have invested a lot of their own time and personality into these races. If they back out now, they feel it's all for nothing. I mean, John Schroeder gave up the treasury, uh, the, the state treasurer position for this. Stephen Waggispack got bored with lobby and wanted to do something new. And so he's running for governor. Sharon Hewitt uh, is near the end of her time. I don't, I don't think that she would have been in the legislature and, and I can't say uh, doing anything. She never really did anything in the first place, but coming to the end of her time in the legislature. I mean, these are people who wanted to continue to be in politics, but do something different. Uh, so I think that's it. I think really ego is a big part of it. Now, I want to mention, I'll probably talk about this more tomorrow, depending on if we have any other local or state politics I need to get into. In the first 20 days of September, we had a record-breaking 140,000 illegal immigrants who were apprehended at the southern border. They have thousands crossing through Eagle Pass, Texas and elsewhere every day. The 6,900 per day average is a 60% increase from the 4,300 daily apprehensions in July. A daily record of 8,600 apprehensions was made over the last 24 hours, and that doesn't take into account the people that got away. Meanwhile, the White House, who was responding to bipartisan criticism of the crisis at the border by granting 470,000 work permits to Venezuelan nationals who arrived at the border before July 31st. That's not going to do anything to stem the tide. That's going to make it worse. That's going to incentivize more people. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't hate immigration. I like the idea of people coming to America who want to be here. I mean, you listen to the Democrats. They clearly think America sucks. There are a lot of Republicans who think that America is on its way down and America kind of sucks now. I want people to want to be in America, but I want them to be here legal. We don't need more lawbreakers. Look at the crime stats. We don't need more lawbreakers in the U.S., I'm perfectly fine with people who want to be here, but the Biden administration incentivizing law breaking and incentivizing more people illegally coming into the country is not the way to do it. We'll have more on this tomorrow. We'll we'll end the week with some national stuff. You guys have a great day. I'll be back in 23 hours here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com 
slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email joe at redstate.com. If you want to listen to the podcast, I heard from one of our podcast listeners uh, yesterday. I was thrilled to hear from him. If you listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever, make sure you give it a rating or a review. If you go to my Substack, joecunninghamshow.substack.com, you can catch the episode there as well. It's going to go live in just a few minutes. You guys have a great day. I've got to run out the studio and go to my kids' volleyball game in Grand Coteau. You guys have a great one. Talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL.